Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. It's that time of year again, National Unmarried and Single Americans Week. And because many of the women and men in my community are single, I always like to highlight and celebrate this week. And today we kick things off by sharing the first chapter of my book, which of course is devoted entirely to the single life and how to remain happy and hopeful and positive, even if your single season ends up being longer than you wanted. Single is the new black, don't wear white till it's right. It's not like a typical self-help book for single women. It's kind of the opposite of that, as a matter of fact. Most self-help books for single women want to tell you all the things you're doing wrong, and that's why you haven't met your person. Whereas I tell you all the things you're doing right, which are staying true to yourself, maintaining high standards, and never settling for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. So yeah, My self-help book is a little unconventional because I'm a firm believer that you have everything you need already within you to thrive while single. And single is the new black. Don't wear white till it's right. Just reminds you of what you know down deep to be true already. So let's kick things off with chapter one. It's not your fault. So stop beating yourself up. As a reminder, my book is available in paperback, in ebook version on Nook or Kindle, and as an audiobook as well. Stay tuned to my Instagram page because this week I'll be rolling out freebies and giveaways throughout the week to celebrate National Unmarried and Single Americans Week. And also, if you haven't already, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. That way you'll be the first to know about upcoming events in the Love and Life community. You can do that by heading over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com. The first chapter of my book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right, after this. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. Part 1. Ridiculous comments you hear and how to deal with them. Chapter 1. It's not your fault. So stop beating yourself up. I'm totally fed up hearing comments implying there's something wrong with me just because I don't have a man. Statements like that are hurtful. It's really sad that people see being single as meaning there's something wrong with you. And I'm so over all the lame advice about how to meet someone. Allison. It's not your fault you're still single. Yes. 
You read that correctly. Read it again if you need to. Let it sink in. You haven't done anything wrong and you don't need to change anything about yourself in order to find the one. Seriously, I know some of you don't believe me and it may take the entire book for you to internalize this, but it's not your fault you haven't met him. It just hasn't happened yet. Not that I'm surprised by your resistance. I know what I'm up against. You probably aren't hearing this sort of perspective anywhere else. In fact, if you've been single for any length of time, you've likely endured plenty of allegations bearing the exact opposite sentiment. Friends ask about your relationships in a sleuth-like manner, searching for clues as to where you're screwing up. So what exactly happened with Kevin? I thought this one was finally working out. Sometimes they're teasing subtly veils accusations. Honey, what's going on? You always chase the good ones away. Or, have you ever thought about getting a little therapy to figure this stuff out? Then again, the occasional aunt, brother, or coworker blatantly accuses your way to fill in the blank. No wonder you're still single. Even if you're lucky enough to have sensitive friends and strong family support, you still get hit by the antagonistic portrayals of single women so firmly embedded in our mass media and pop culture. Consider chick flicks depicting quirky, lovelorn women who, after Pygmalion-esque metamorphoses, emerge fixed and finally suitable for marriage. Or flip through the latest issue of any number of women's magazines. Notice the attention devoted to helping single women identify dating don'ts and relationship faux pas. Articles such as, stop scaring him off. The real reason he didn't call. Or needy moves you must nix. Nine ways women come off as too dependent. By our late 20s, if not sooner, we get the picture. Something's drastically wrong with us, or else we'd have already snagged ourselves a man. Caving under the onslaught of messages from rom-coms, fashion mags, and our Aunt Barbara, we internalize the undesirable truth. Face it, we tell ourselves, the common denominator in all my failed relationships is me. I'm doing something wrong. It's my fault I'm single. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. Psych 101. Why we do it. Why do we blame ourselves? Why take the brunt of it? Why believe it's entirely our fault we're still single? Actually, there's a bit of twisted logic at work here. By blaming ourselves, we gain a measure of control. That's right. Rather than revealing some inveterate self-loathing, the masochistic blame game merely exposes a need for control. Thanks, you're saying. Now you're calling us all control freaks. Well, maybe not freaks, but we do like our control. It's only natural. Think about it. In today's world, women have more command over more areas of our lives than ever before. 
We take charge of our education, strategically maneuver our career, and independently manage our finances. When things go wrong in one of these areas, we know who the culprit is, us. We've dropped the ball or taken a wrong turn. So when something's a muck in our love life, such as we don't have one, we come to the same conclusion. We must have screwed it up. In targeting ourselves, we begin a nasty regimen of self-blame that, although a bit painful at first, ultimately produces hope. Wait, you're saying, blame leads to hope? Exactly how does that work? Simple. It puts the control in our hands, right where we like it. We tell ourselves, if I'm the one ruining my love life, then I'm the one who can fix it. All I have to do is go to Barnes & Noble, find the right book, and become an entirely different person. Then I'll find true love and lasting happiness. Problem solved. I mean, consider the alternative. If it's not our fault we're single, who gets the blame? God? Fate? The universe? These forces lie well beyond our jurisdiction. If they're responsible, there's nothing we can do about it. But if it's our misstep, we can correct it. So while I hate hearing my smart, sexy, savvy, single friends berate themselves for tragic flaws, tacky habits, and troublesome neuroses, I get it. I get why they adopt this diffident demeanor and denounce their defects. The self-inflicted sucker punches are well worth it. They allow us to feel in control. It just hasn't happened yet. But just because I get it doesn't mean I support it. It's tough enough that our love lives haven't played out as planned. Yet we go and exacerbate the situation by accusing ourselves of ruining our chances for romance? More pain. And to control the situation, we try to correct the, quote, problem by taking charge as we would at the office. We conduct a needs-based assessment, identify weaknesses, and submit a detailed analysis with suggestions for revision all in anticipation of increased outcomes. Except in this case, the needs-based assessment is conducted on us. The weaknesses identified target our core unique qualities. Suggestions for revision may or may not be realistic. Increased outcomes? After ripping our egos to shreds? I don't think so. How cruel. Guilty of destroying our love lives, we scrutinize ourselves, pinpointing some random personality trait, physical imperfection, or emotional idiosyncrasy that must go in order for us to prove acceptable to the opposite sex? Talk about kicking a girl when she's down. And the worst part? We're not controlling a darn thing. We're just beating ourselves up. This exercise and masochism doesn't bring us any closer to love and happiness. Give me a break. All we've done is lowered our self-esteem in efforts to correct a situation that, actually, we can't do anything about anyway. Nice. Ditto.
Take heart. It's nothing personal. Even the most beautiful, sophisticated, and talented single women are suspect. Women like uber-successful Cheryl Crow, who recounts this exchange when she ran into another well-known personality and heard, I was just thinking about you the other day. I was thinking, she's such a great girl. Why doesn't she get married and have kids? Crow's reaction? I felt like the breath rushed out of my body. I couldn't believe somebody was actually voicing what most of America probably thinks of me. I know it seems odd to people. If you're not married by a certain age, you're either gay, asexual, or a freak who can't get along with anybody. Writer Suzanne Schlossberg puts it this way, quote, In your 30s, you dread taking your place at the singles table. Your singleness has started to feel like something more serious than the flu, something chronic, painful, and obscure, like diverticulitis. Deep down, you know you haven't done anything to cause your condition, but you know that other people suspect it's your fault. And in your worst moments, you start to wonder if they're right. End quote. Girl Talk Dear Karen, So, you're saying it's not my fault I'm single, and I love that. I'm totally down with the message. All this girl power stuff is really cute and all. But in my case, I am the problem. It is my fault I'm single. To be honest, I'm kind of a freak when it comes to relationships. I always end up destroying them. Obviously, I don't mean to. It's just that when I'm dating someone and getting to know him, I want to be around him all the time. I get totally caught up in it. But it always backfires because my boyfriends tell me I'm clingy and insecure, which I am. Of course, this usually pushes them away. Guys hate the whole needy thing. So I end up getting dumped. See, I told you it is my fault. I can admit it, but I can't seem to change it. Like I said, I love the book's concept, the whole I'm okay, you're okay thing, very empowering for women, but it doesn't apply to me. I'm not okay. Really, I'm not. Daisy. Dear Daisy, obviously the I'm not okay stance is working for you, and I'd be loath to rip away that comfy security blanket of yours, but I've got to take issue with one point. You've decided you're too needy and clingy and that this horrible trait pushes guys away. Your saran wrap approach to relationships does you in every time. Is that it? Well, I bet you're right. I'm sure you're as needy as the day is long. A complete leech. I can see it now. A guy merely glances your way and you latch on like white on rice. And if your new, quote, boyfriend, as in some guy you talked to for five minutes at the bar last Saturday, doesn't call or text you ten times a day, you flip. So sure. I bet you do push some guys away, but those guys, well, they're the wrong guys, at least for you. See, I guarantee there are women right now in happy, loving relationships who are way more needy than you could ever be. They just happen to find their match, and someday you will too. It's really that simple. So cling away. 
In doing so, you'll naturally weed out the fellas who want a more independent woman. And eventually, a guy looking for a needy, clingy, suck-the-life-out-of-your-chick is going to sop you up with a biscuit. Karen. The Awful Truth. The title of this section says it all. These scenes are not based on real stories. They are real stories. Women's Inhumanity to Women. Cast. Rebecca. 37-year-old marketing director. Single. Ellen. 42-year-old freelance writer. Married with one child. Debbie. 35-year-old stay-at-home mom with three children. On hiatus from a job in sales. Interior, hotel banquet hall, day. Rebecca, Ellen, and Debbie are attending a luncheon at the National Convention of the Organization for Women Leaders and Entrepreneurs. Ellen. Hey, does anyone know if Audrey Landry was able to make it to convention? Rebecca. No, I don't think she could come this year. Debbie. That's too bad. I was hoping to catch up with her and make sure she's doing okay. Rebecca. Okay. Last I heard, she was doing great. She'd just earned a big promotion at work and was headed to grad school in the fall. Debbie. Well, that's good to know, but I was thinking more about her personal life. Things haven't been going well. She never seems to have a boyfriend, and it doesn't make sense. She's so intelligent and beautiful and fun to be with. Ellen. Yeah, what's going on with her? She's got to be 26 or 27 now. You'd think a girl like her would have been snatched up long ago. Debbie. I can't figure it out either. It's crazy that an amazing woman like Audrey isn't married already. Too bizarre. What's the problem? Rebecca. Um, actually, she's been dating a guy for over a year now, and they just moved in together. Ellen and Debbie let out a collective audible sigh of relief. Debbie. Thank goodness. I really was beginning to wonder what was wrong. Lesson learned. Even among members of a women's leadership organization, which, by definition, is dedicated to the development of women per their career aspirations and entrepreneurial goals, the most important information about you is your relationship status. And your associates will be so concerned, read obsessed about it, they may gossip about you when you're not there. And worse yet, in the presence of another member who happens to be older than you and further, quote, off the relational mark. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the Work With Me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns, will target limiting beliefs and thought patterns, will learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood, will identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals, and we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. 
Guy Talk. Okay. Karen's totally right about this whole, you're fine just the way you are thing. And I've got the perfect example for you. I used to know this girl named Abby, right? And let's just say she had a little junk in the trunk and in the back seat and the passenger side and... Okay, okay, we get it. Anyway, she was always complaining about how guys only want thin women. She'd go on and on about how men never ask her out and how they found her unattractive and immediately relegated her to the friend category. She was always like, guys are so shallow. They only like skinny chicks. Blah, 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 blah. Well, one day, this guy Rick starts working at my job. He's like a total partier, and he has this cookout at his place a couple weeks after he got hired. So my buddies and I go over and throw a couple sausages on the grill or whatever. After a minute, I went inside to find his bathroom, which was hard to do because I had to climb over all his crap because this guy was a complete slob. Anyway, I literally stumbled upon a box of old pictures and there's this hilarious shot of Rick all awkward in a tux and this girl in a prom dress with big hair and let's just say plenty of other big features if you know what I mean. This little pictorial retrospective clued me in to his preferences when it comes to ladies. I called Abby and invited her to meet up with us. Let's just say the rest is history. Guy. Um, okay then. Well, personally, I wouldn't have used that example, but I've got to admit, this story substantiates my point, and true, I did solicit a guy's perspective. Karen. Selfie. For the majority of my single life, I blamed myself. It started in high school, where I dismissed boys my age, stuck-up girl, while mooning over my older brother's friends, silly girl. Then in college, I crushed the heart of the best boyfriend I'd ever had, stupid girl, who eventually got fed up with our on-again, off-again relationship and left me in our mid-twenties for a woman who could commit. Consequently, I beat myself up for years. I'd been a stuck-up, silly, stupid girl, and that's why I was still single. As 30 loomed, I became increasingly despondent, convinced I'd ruined my only chance for love. I'd berate myself with self-talk. How many really exceptional guys do you think are out there, Karen? You trashed a once-in-a-lifetime relationship and have no one to blame but yourself. You'll never be in love like that again. I resigned myself to believing that some people find true love while others don't. Apparently, I fell into the latter category. And it was all my fault. Shout out. So to my smart, sexy, savvy singletons, I say this. You aren't screwed up. It's not your fault, and no matter how much you pointlessly admonish yourselves, the whole deal is out of your control anyway. You can't hurry love. It just hasn't happened yet. And that's perfectly fine. Because single is the new black. The love and life hack for this week is, as I noted in the shout out, you can't hurry love. It just hasn't happened yet. And that's perfectly fine. Because 
single is the new black. Thank you as always for sharing a portion of your day with me. Let's celebrate this week because singles frankly don't always get celebrated. So we're here for it. I hope you'll join me throughout the week. I'm so grateful that you're part of the Love and Life family. Take charge of your thoughts, take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril, and until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril.